the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. Great to be with you on this fine Thursday afternoon in Southern California. It is so often a good afternoon in Southern California, so I'm really glad to be with you today. What we're going to do today in this hour is address an issue that is this month. You might have noticed that it is a Pride Month. And I really want to ask the question, and I have a guest with me to help us deal with this question, is what do we do when so much marketing is targeted towards our kids about sexual matters, especially in LGBT and all the letters plus? And uh, how do we deal with that? You know, it used to be that LGBT, there was a parade, and, um, you know, but it's much different today. Massive marketing from kids' companies like even Disney, Marvel Comics, and others are targeted towards your children in these issues, which raise a lot of questions. Not just those companies, it's the schools, right? It's the things that your kids are, are learning. I watched that movie, uh, What is a Woman by Matt Walsh. Did you see, I don't know if you've seen that uh, advertisement for that. He just goes around trying to ask, what is a woman? And he, in this movie, he gets a lot of questions and, and asks this question to psychologists and people who work with kids, doctors, pediatricians, and it's terrifying. This is happening so fast. And parents and grandparents, we need to be equipped and ready because our kids are being pressured into making not just moral choices, but also choices for their health care that last a lifetime. Some are permanent, and they are allowed in California to make those choices uh, from the time they are 12 without even you knowing in some cases. So, um, you know, my, I have a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old boy. I'm concerned for both of them, and I'm concerned because... I don't know about you, but I used to be a kid. I think most of us used to be kids. And I know my parents didn't know everything. Now, my parents probably knew more than they say. You know, I hold back some things because I just want to have the right moment. Sometimes as a parent, I'm, you know, I'm working hard to do that. But I didn't have, when I was a kid, at least as far as I perceived it, I didn't have nearly the opportunity to get in trouble with really big issues, at least not as easily. I could have been in a lot of trouble, but it wasn't so easy. It wasn't right in my home already on the electronic devices uh, that we have today because those just weren't there. How do you deal with this as a parent or a grandparent? How do we navigate these issues in our society? My guest today is Jeff Johnson. Jeff Johnson works as an issues analyst for Focus on the Family, and he's writing and teaching about marriage, homosexuality, and gender, as well as encouraging and equipping Christians to engage the culture on these issues. Jeff, thanks for joining me today. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me on the broadcast. Yeah, it's really great to have you with us. And, you know, this is, um, Jeff, it, it feels like this issue is just upon us in a heavier way than it's ever been. Do you have that sense in your work, you know, that this is, uh, I think Hemingway or somebody said things are gradual and then all of a sudden. I think we're at the all of a sudden. Yeah, I think it was uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald quote, maybe. Oh, yeah, maybe I, I got I that wrong. <laughs> One of those guys. I quote a lot. Because, <laughs> yeah, this has been building gradually for the last, 50-some years since um, the first uh, Stonewall riots in New York in 1969 and then the parade celebrating those riots a year later, starting in one city and then 
spreading to a couple cities and then spreading across the country, um, becoming a whole week of pride and then a month of pride. And, and, and honestly, if, if you look at some uh, LGBT pride calendars, uh, it goes from January to December now, depending on what mm. city you're in or what country you're in. You can find pride fests all over the place. And so families can stumble across this at any time. And, it, and it's not just the, the parades and celebrations and festivals. As you mentioned, um, this is in the media. It's on computers. It's in advertising and arts and entertainment. It's in social media. Um, kids are getting this in school. So there's just been an explosion. And, and yes, it has really increased in the last couple of years. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into uh, this part of the ministry with Focus on the Family. Well, homosexuality is part of my story. Um, I grew up in San Diego, not far from where you are now, right. um, but um, I grew up in a Christian home, um, understood what the Bible said about sexuality and marriage and how God had designed us male and female in His image. But even though I knew all that, um, I still struggled with same-sex attractions. And it was, was not until I was in my 20s before um, I was working as an intern um, for a youth group at a church in San Diego, and the youth pastor I was working under invited me to a conference called Hope and Healing for the Homosexuals, and this was back in 1986. And in that conference, I was 25 years old at the time, but that conference was the very first time I ever heard somebody say, hey, I left homosexuality, and then I heard him explain there might be some influencing factors in a person's life that might lead you to have same-sex attractions. I, I don't say these things are causative. Um, mm-hmm. Humans are much more um, complex than cause and effect. Right. But for me, there were certainly some factors that I could look back on. Some of my earliest memories when I was four and five and six were of being sexual with other young boys. And I know that as a result of that, I pulled away from boys and did not ha- did not have solid relationships with them growing up. And little boys need that. That's really normal, especially between the ages of about five and twelve. That boys hang out with boys and they they get a good sense of camaraderie and develop their sense of masculinity. Um, I was also overly close to my mom and my sisters and to other girls, and I identified more with girls. And then, and then when I discovered pornography in junior high, um, my attractions were much more towards the men in the picture. So I know that there were a lot of different influencing mm. factors for me. Yeah. And that conference was the turning point for me when I began to move towards healing through um, counseling, to go into other conferences, reading books, going to support groups. And this wasn't, you know, this wasn't a smooth trip. Uh, it, it wasn't a straight shot from, you know, 180 from homosexual attractions to heterosexual attractions. Um, there was a period of time in there where I was in some relationships with other men, and I finally had to make a decision. Am I going to follow Jesus even if these feelings never go away, or am I going to go ahead and be gay and try to find a relationship here? And I chose to follow Jesus, and God was faithful in changing me in so many ways. My thoughts, my relationships, my behaviors, lots of different things changed. 
And over time, I fell in love with a woman, and we've been married almost 30 years now. We've got three grown boys. So, okay. yeah, that's just a little bit about my story in homosexuality. And I came here to focus on the family um, to talk to others about my story, but also to research and write about these issues. Well, I'm glad that you do that, and thank you for sharing your story. I think that, uh, you know, a couple of things that are, you know, that Christian parents need to listen to is you grew up in a Christian home. You were connected with church. We shouldn't just uh, assume, oh, our kids uh, understand things because they go to Sunday school. Um, no, no. I, I grew up knowing what the Bible said. We were, we, I was in a church that really emphasized um, memorizing the Word, reading it, studying mm-hmm. it, and um, being under good teaching and things like that. So I knew what the Bible said, but I still had these struggles. And it, you know, as a little guy, and then as a teenager, I knew nothing about how to resolve these issues. So it, it took a lot of time and a lot of help from other individuals um, to sort through some of this and for God to bring healing to my life. When you see the uh, the world today and the pressures now that's coming from corporate America, even kids' companies like Disney, Marvel, and uh, movie companies, toy companies, uh, all the way across the board, and even in... Uh, you know, baseball games and uh, just about anywhere you go, you're going to have some kind of pressure. How does a family, how should a family even begin, whether it's a parent or a grandparent, um, begin to talk to their kids? Like at, at what age? My kids are 13 and 10. You know, 13, much more ready, I think, to have that conversation. But personally, I'm I'm concerned that my 10-year-old is far more ready than I think to have this conversation. Yeah, your 10-year-old's probably further along than yeah. you think. And at, at, as, you, as you said, in, in this day and age, it's it's not a matter of if your kids ever encounter this, it's when are they going to encounter it. Right. And I suggest that people start, first of all, by giving their kids a solid foundation of God's good design. We want to be positive about sexuality. Um, I don't think I heard much growing up that was positive about mm-hmm. sex. Um, maybe from a few different people in the church, but by and large, it was mostly, you know, the emphasis was on sin and staying away from sin. Right. And I think we want to give our kids a real positive view of sex and sexuality and marriage and relationships, a healthy view. So you can start with real young kids and talk about how God made us male and female in His image, and that being a boy is good, and you can you can bless your sons in their masculinity and their masculine development and point out the things that you're seeing as they're growing to become men. And you can do the same thing with your daughters, blessing their femininity and saying, hey, here's what I see in you as you're becoming a woman. So we want to start with male and female. That's kind of the bottom line, and that's in Genesis. Yeah, And it's also quoted by Jesus and by Paul in the New Testament, that God made us male and female in His image. And there's something about masculinity and femininity that differently reflect who God is. I mean, and you want to give are... your kids um, a strong sense of what marriage is, yeah. that God made marriage to be between a husband and a wife, and that that's the appropriate place for sexual expression, which very often leads leads to children and family, and all those things are good, and we should celebrate that. Marriage, family, children, all the good of that, and talk to our kids there. Don't don't start by saying uh, homosexuality is bad. Start with the good stuff, hmm. and then from there you can talk about how uh, sin entered the world, and it has affected every area of our lives, including sexuality, relationships, and marriage. So I, I would start at the beginning with God's good design, then talk about sin, 
but also talk about how um, God has made a way for us when we struggle with something to find healing and grace and forgiveness. We want to present kids with the good news as well. Yeah, I think that is a, it's important advice. And I think it, it particularly, like you said, in the old days, it was just stay away from this, right? You go to youth group, you go to church and, and stay away from uh, pornography. And here's your purity ring. And here's all the stuff and sex is, is bad. And we're never opening the Bible other than to words like fornication and stuff. But I don't remember even as a kid having a positive picture. And I grew up in church. Um, presented, and the fact is that the Scripture actually, in the context of marriage, men and women in marriage, has a very positive picture of it. Uh, sure it does. Um, marriage is the, the highest image in the Bible of our relationship with God. That's right. And and parents are called to mirror a healthy relationship to their children, and, and that's, a, that's an image of the Church relating to Jesus. And we know that that you know that image can get broken, and moms and dads make mistake mistakes. But as much as possible, we want to give our kids a positive picture of marriage and sexuality. Yeah, yeah. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. My guest is Jeff Johnson from Focus on the Family. He's an issues analyst for Focus on the Family, and he teaches about marriage, homosexuality, and gender. And we're talking about how this is Pride Month. Although, as he's pointed out, throughout the year there's different Pride celebrations, and it's kind of a year-round thing now. Um, and maybe more so, as you're, as you're talking about this for parents, I think sometimes Christian parents, or, or often today it's grandparents, about 12% of grandparents are raising their grandkids today. So I know a lot of our listeners uh, might be grandparents and probably didn't have somebody speak into their lives now. Uh, parents should have a plan going forward for this, right? It's not off the cuff. We really need to be proactive uh, in, this, in this culture, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and this, um, yes, parents must be intentional. Grandparents, I think our churches need to be intentional about this as yeah. well. Um, you can talk to kids in Sunday school about how God made us male and female. That comes up in a lot of the Bible stories. And you can talk about what marriage is. And I think kids need to hear this a lot of times in a lot of conversations. And then when they do encounter LGBT issues or other examples of broken sexuality, um, that's where we can dialogue with them. We can ask questions, you know, where did you hear that? What do you think that means? And, and move from there to talk about how God can bring healing to people struggling with these issues, how he's good and he loves us. And even when we sin, he has a plan for us and wants us to bring us out of that. We can explain to children that sin is harmful and damaging. And that's why God doesn't want us to sin, because he loves us and cares about us. He doesn't want us to be harmed and damaged. I think that is a, a key point, too, to be pointing out that I think the message so often is love is love, right? And and we never talk about uh, the damage where people are, are being encouraged to experiment, even at young ages. And, you know, you said it right, that the highest image in Scripture is marriage. And this really is what marriage is about. It's not love is love. It's about a man and a woman who are getting married, who represent Christ in the church, uh, and the imagery that that's about. That's an important thing, I think, for kids to understand, all of us to understand about marriage. Um, Jeff, yeah, Paul, go ahead. Um, Paul points that out in Ephesians, um, that this was a mystery hidden through the ages about what marriage is, that it's a husband loving his wife like Jesus loved the church, mm-hmm. and then her responding 
to that love, and you have this wonderful relationship that we can have with Christ, and marriage is the picture of that intimacy. Jeff, in the area of uh, our culture and in schools, what are some of the things that's happening in our schools that are promoting uh, LBG, LGBT agenda right now? So it's Pride Month. Some schools here in California are still in school. Some are out by May in different parts of the country, but we're still in school mostly. What are some things parents ought to be aware of that maybe they're not? Well, um, this enters schools a lot of different ways. I've been watching what happens in California because a lot of that has happened here as well. I think it was in 2013, the state legislature in California mandated that whenever you teach social studies from kindergarten through 12th grade, so this is history, geography, sociology, um, history of ancient cultures and different cultures. Whenever you teach social studies, you have to talk about LGBT individuals in that. Mm -hmm. And so they passed that about 10 years ago. So the textbook manufacturers started scrambling, and now we're seeing those textbooks where there will be mentions of LGBT individuals starting in kindergarten. And we passed a similar law here in Colorado in 2019, so we're following in those footsteps. So this doesn't just come through sex ed, um, but sex ed is another source of this. Um, Many states, I think California and here, when you teach sex ed, you have to talk about LGBT individuals and their experiences. So kids are going to get this a lot of different ways, and you find schools – and, and kids as young as um, transitional kindergarten, which I, I think that's what they call it in California, yeah, the two-year kindergarten, mm-hmm. um, those kids will be hearing words like gender identity, gender expression, and they'll be reading books in their classroom and libraries about uh, transgenderism, basically, gender identity and expression. Um, some other ways this um, gets into education is through um, health clinics. Um, When, if a child is struggling with his sexual identity, he might be sent to a health clinic or to a counselor, and you may have a a liberal counselor who points that kid towards transgenderism. Well, maybe the reason you're struggling is because you're really the opposite sex inside. Mm. So this ideology has infiltrated um, education, and as you said, in California, uh, kids can get advice about this and push that direction um, at very young ages and often without their parental consent. Um, we hear stories about kids 12 and 13 and 14 who are getting opposite sex hormones, and they can just go to a Planned Parenthood a lot of times and pick those up. And a lot of times the government will pay for it. You know, I've so noticed. Kids are diff- yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. The, oh, yeah. Kids, kids are doing this without their parents even knowing about it. Right, and it's completely legal after 12, I think, in California. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's perfectly legal. Um, and very often, um, I was reading about one doctor there at, um, I forget if it's UCLA or USC, but she was saying, if we have to, we will use the courts to push back against a parent who doesn't want their child transitioned. So if you're a parent and you say, no, I don't want my kid to be on puberty blockers. I don't want them to take opposite sex hormones. I don't want them to have these surgeries. 
then um, you may get taken to court for this. And we've seen some cases like that mm-hmm. where the courts have intervened against the parents' wishes and a child is being transitioned. And sometimes that starts in school at a health clinic or with a, with a school counselor. So parents need to be aware of these things. Um, just kind of as an aside, um, Focus on the Family helped publish a book called Back to School for Parents. It's a free downloadable resource, and it talks about what's going on in eight or nine different areas of education, everything from sports to restrooms and privacy and locker rooms to what they're teaching in sex ed to what's going on in the social studies. Again, it's called Back to School for Parents, and you can find that um, where I write at thedailycitizen.org. All right, that's called Back to School for Parents at dailycitizen.org. Um, my guest is Jeff Johnson. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. Jeff Johnson works as an issues analyst for Focus on the Family, and we are talking about um, Pride Month and all of the issues that are facing kids today and what we can do as parents and grandparents and uh, guardians. You might find yourself in that role, too. And uh, he specifically writes and teaches about marriage, homosexuality, and gender and uh, Jeff, when we come back, uh, I want to ask you about uh, the resources also, but to even talk about how we can be aware of the language that's being used. I am amazed at how the language assigned at birth, your gender was assigned at birth, is so prevalent all of a sudden among doctors, among uh, teachers, politicians. That just seemed to come out of the blue, and it's to me, it's just the oddest thing. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit and uh, when we get back from the break. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. Stay with us. Jeff Johnson and I will be right back. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, your host. It's good to be with you today. We are talking about Pride Month and how to minister to our kids who are being pressured in so many different ways from uh, very, very powerful agendas. My my guest is Jeff Johnson from Focus on the Family. He's an analyst for Focus on the Family, writing and teaching about marriage, homosexuality, and, gen- and gender. He also writes for Focus on the Family's um, The Daily Citizen. Is that a blog? Would you call it a blog or a newsletter? Uh, um, it's, it's a news outlet with a, a weekly newsletter as well. Yeah, and uh, you've written some great stuff on there. I think that's very helpful. People can uh, can find that. I'll give you the website in a little bit. You know, one of the things I think maybe we're just we just need to really understand how powerful this um, movement is, and maybe I should say even the the lobby is. You wrote about how on one hand this group of people is very oppressed and in in all kinds of crisis. On the other hand, they're moving corporations to to change their entire merchandising and marketing. Um, and they've even changed language, the language that amazes me, some of it, this whole idea of um, the idea that you're assigned a gender at birth, that a doctor looks at you and assigns you a gender, but they don't really know. And that's new. That's new in all of human history. That whole thing is new. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, first of all, this, this is a group that claims to be a victim class, and I, and I want to be careful here. Many yeah. individuals have been victimized, yes. and many who struggle with these issues have been harmed. But as a group, this is a powerful lobbying group. 
And I, I wrote recently about the Human Rights Campaign, and they have 842 large corporations who get a 100% score from them, meaning that they are fully on board with all these LGBT issues. And as far as language, yes, they've been able to change the language of our whole culture. Um, of course, we don't assign children a sex. Uh, we simply recognize it when they're born. And you say, hey, that's a girl or that's a boy. Um, that's not a sign. That's who they are. Yeah. And that's one of the things where lang- language has changed as well and where it's coming into the church. Um, throughout human history and throughout the Bible, there was no such thing as somebody who was a homosexual, as if that was their whole being, mm. their, um, you know, their, yes. their core being. Um, instead, the Bible talks about people who have lust or they do different things. And the Bible talks about men and women who do different things. It doesn't label people this. But more recently, I've seen this creeping into the church where even a Christian who says, yeah, I'm holding to the biblical sexual ethic, but I'm a gay Christian or I'm a queer Christian. They're taking on board an identity that is not what God intended. And, and I remember one of the first times I really thought about this um, was here at Folks on the Family. We had a gay-identified activist come in, and he was talking to us. And I said, I, I just had this kind of epiphany. I realized he views the whole world as gay or straight. I view the whole world as male or female. Mm. And that male or female view is really a biblical view. Um, Gay isn't a person's core identity, but that's what kids are being taught in school and through advertising and through entertainment and through social media, that your feelings or your attractions or your thoughts, that's who you really are. Well, that's not what Scripture says. Scripture said God, God made us male and female, and He gives us our identity and especially if we're his children, that's who we are. We're his sons or daughters. Yes. You made a good distinction, and it's important, I think, that we, we make this distinction, that we have to be careful about uh, realizing that a lot of people who are, who are dealing with these issues have significant harm that they've gone through. As a counselor, I've counseled a lot of people, and sometimes by the time they get to me, they're in pretty terrible shape. And some of the worst stories I've heard of abuse in particular um, have come from people who are dealing with homosexuality or transgenderism, and sometimes they think it's caused—you know—it's the cause of it. Sometimes they think it's irrelevant. But how do we help our our kids also who are going now to school with with kids who are either transitioning or thinking about it or on board with this kind of thing? How do we stay compassionate without sacrificing the truth? And how do we teach that? Well, your, your kids are watching you, that's for sure. Mm-hmm, yeah. And they know, they, they know whether or not you really care about these people. And they know when um, you're being mean. I'm, they know the difference between yeah, being mean and yeah, just being and, truthful. And, and there's a difference when you're dealing with the person versus dealing with the, the issue and how it's um, spreading in the political arena. Um, in mm. the political and cultural arena, I suggest that people lead with truth. But we also do that kindly and wisely. You know, there's some language that's just not helpful. But when we're dealing with individuals, um, we want to lead with love. It doesn't mean we hold back on the truth, but um, we want to use the truth wisely as well. But people need to know that they're loved and respected by us as believers. I remember about um, 12 years ago, 
our president, Jim Daly, was talking to us, and he said, how many of you pray for, and he mentioned a specific um, gay-identified man. And I thought, wow, I don't pray for him. And so I, I just started a little list of people that I pray for, and then I would meet people who had family members, and I asked God to give me a heart of love and compassion for these people. And I also asked them to work in their lives to bring change. And I was thinking about this recently. A lot of times I'm reading on social media, and people see the pride flag, and they get mad or they're offended. And I thought, what if Christians use the pride flag as a reminder to pray for people? Think about all the millions of Christians in this country, every time they saw a pride flag, saying, God, have mercy. Bring these people out of sin because it's harmful and damaging, and bring them into your light and into your love. What if, what if millions of that, us were praying for that every time we saw a pride flag, like a little trigger for us, just a reminder, hey, I'm going to pray for the LGBT community right now, and we'll pray for a specific individual or family member um, that you know. I, I believe there's real power in prayer, and yes. I believe God can use us if we pray for this community. And again, our kids are watching. Um, and if they see you praying with love and compassion for this community, they're going to have that same heart for these folks. That is, a, it's excellent advice for the church that tends to say, you know, we're okay and those people are not, right? And and we're supposed to pray for everybody. It's souls of people. We want people's redemption. We want people to come to Christ. This is what we are about. Exactly. And those people are in our churches as well. That's right. I mean, I was one of those people inside the church, um, and I know um, pastors, kids, and um, people who grew up in the church, many people who struggle with this um, have a religious background, have a Christian background, and so they know what the Bible says. They want to know, do you love me? Do you respect me? And you can still hold on to the truth while you're doing that and while you're praying for them. Um, my guest is Jeff Johnson. He is with Focus on the Family, and he is a contributor to the Daily Citizen. Uh, Jeff, um, before we go here, what are some other resources that um, parents or uh, kids can even use with these issues? What are some ways that they can get some help? Well, I'm going to point you to two helpful pages, because this, this does encompass so many areas of life, um, everything from education to our families, uh, from the government to um, what's on the television. And at FocusOnTheFamily.com, if you do a search for transgender resources, that will take you to a page with articles and broadcasts and podcasts and books about the transgender issue to help you understand it and help you respond with grace and truth. And then at the same website, FocusOnTheFamily.com, you can also do a search for homosexuality resources, and you'll find the same thing. You'll find all kinds of broadcasts and books and materials that we've vetted that give a Christian perspective on this issue, whether you're dealing with it in your family or in the culture around you. That's focusonthefamily.org, and you can just search on that website. There's some great resources there. And how do they get to the Daily Citizen? When I uh, when I go to it, I just get dailycitizen.focusonthefamily.com. Is that the best way, or is there a, a quicker um, way? Probably the easiest way is to put in the dailycitizen.org, and that'll you know flip you through to that website. But that's a little bit the, easier to remember. The dailycitizen.org and 
focusonthefamily.com. Right, the dailycitizen.org. There's a lot of great resources and uh, information in there about things going on around the country if you want to be involved. And I think we need to be involved. It's uh, um, There's just too much going on and too much is at stake. It's more than just, you know, identity. It's it's physical transformation that little kids are making decisions about and uh, life-changing things. There's so many different things. Um, Jeff, there's anything else you'd like to leave us with before we go? No, I, I just appreciate your dealing with this topic. As you said, it's important, um, and it's affecting so many people. I just saw a, a recent survey of studies that showed that amongst Gen Z folks, the younger generation, um, somewhere around 20% identify as something other than you know a straight male or a straight female. And so this is affecting right. a lot of children, and this is an issue from our time which we can't be silent about, but we need to approach it with with knowledge and grace and truth. That's right, and that's great advice. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for what you're doing and for being with us today on Southern California Live. Really appreciate uh, your time and all that you do and uh, your your passion for this subject and your love for people. Hey, thanks, Scott. I appreciate it. Yeah, Jeff, thanks for being with us. My guest has been Jeff Johnson from Focus on the Family. He's a culture and policy analyst for Focus on the Family. And uh, the the uh, resources that he gave us, too, he said, go to FocusOnTheFamily.com. You're familiar with uh, Focus on the Family, great partner of ours. There's a lot of resources. You can search for them, transgender, homosexuality, um, other things related to sexual issues. And some of the great advice he gave us was that we need to Give people a positive, give our kids, you know, a positive biblical view of these things. That's something that is, um, you know, I mean, maybe if this conversation makes you uncomfortable, um, one of the things that I like to point out is that the whole world is talking about issues related to sex, except the church. You hear about it everywhere else, every TV show, even kids stuff. And uh, my my 13-year-old, now he's sort of rewatching some of the cartoons and kids programs that he saw. And last night he was just telling me, he was going, dad, that joke was kind of dirty. Something that was in the, I think the toy story movie, it probably is not really that dirty, but for a you know 13 year old, he's like, oh, I can't believe I missed that joke. Cause he suddenly gets it, you know? Uh, but there are things out there that are everywhere except the church. It needs to be in the church and moms and dads and grandparents, guardians. We got to be proactive with our kids. We can't just decide that the, they're going to get it from uh an hour of Sunday school, half of which is probably cutting out pictures and pasting things on on paper. Uh, we need to be proactive and, in a loving way, really help our kids understand how God created men and women and uh, how things work and deal with the pressures that are on our kids. i got to take a break. We will come back, and we'll have some time for your phone calls. If you would like to give us a call, the number is 888-528-2557, I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, your host. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Good to be with you today on our program and uh, lots going on in the world today. Next hour, we'll talk a little bit about uh, our country, the uh, hearings going on tonight in prime time. Are you going to watch that? What are they about and uh, what might happen? 
Uh, and we have another guest uh, who's going to remind us that the sky is not falling in the next hour. So a lot coming up today. This hour, we've been talking about Pride Month, and uh, our guest was from Focus on the Family, Jeff Johnson. And, uh, you know, it is something that everybody needs to be aware of. Even if you're, you're not a believer, you know, maybe you know, there's Christian reasons to take a look at what marriage is from a biblical standpoint. You know, I think we miss this in the debate that we were having and lost about marriage that there is a spiritual nature to marriage, that from the Christian standpoint, okay, marriage is symbolic of something important. The relationship of the bride and groom symbolizes the relationship between Jesus and the church, where what's being symbolized is the idea of when you get married and you become one in that way, as the the bride, when you get married, and when you're the groom and you get married, when you're the groom, you know, you take on everything that the bride has, everything that's in her her life, her history, the great things about your bride that you love. And uh, you can't say it, but, uh, you know, we're not perfect. When you get married, men and women, you're marrying a flawed person, all right? Don't go home and tell your spouse, hey, Pastor Scott's on the air, said you're a flawed person. Well, I said you are too. Uh, in fact, whenever somebody tells me, once in a while I get somebody who says, I've never sinned. And I'll say, are you married? They said, yes. I said, well, let's ask your wife if you've ever sinned. And that ends that conversation pretty quickly. You get married, and I put this in the ceremonies that I do as much as I can. You're giving everything you have to the other person, and they are accepting you and, and taking you on. When you, and the symbolism here is that when you get married and you're married to Christ, you know, symbolically, in this way. He takes on everything you are, but also your sin. He takes your sin and he pays off your debts. He pays your debt to sin. He he takes care of everything that is your your spiritual deficit, the spiritual angst that you have, the doubts that you have. All of that he takes on. That's the idea. Now you're when you're the church and you're the bride and you're marrying Christ in this in this symbolism. You get everything Christ has. Well, he doesn't have any sin, but what he does have is righteousness, and you take on his righteousness. And see, this is why in you know Christian marriage matters. Um, it is in for Christians. You know, some people could argue that maybe marriage isn't for secular culture, really, because it's designed to show the relationship of Christ and the church. It's not really designed to be a government contract. I mean, it is, and and almost every culture has made marriage a government contract, but don't miss the the spiritual imagery of marriage throughout the Bible and teach that to your kids. The idea that you get everything Jesus has, he doesn't have any flaws. He's the one who's without flaws. And instead you get his righteousness. See, it's, it's a great way to explain the gospel. It's a great way. And, you know, in your own marriage, it's flawed. We're all of our marriages. We struggle. I struggle. Everybody, you know, who's married has struggled with different things. We can say, hey, we're doing the best we can because we want to represent Christ. Something Jeff said that was super, I think, relevant is our kids are watching. Our kids are watching how we treat each other. They're watching how we have this conversation. And it's so important that we are truthful and bold, but not mean. Now, somebody might call us mean, because in the world today, if you don't agree with this agenda, uh, particularly the agenda on the left, you're a bad person, you're a racist, you are if that has anything to do with LGBT plus all of those things, you know, you can be called this, but you're not really that. And and relationally, it's different. 
you know, the conversations that you have when it's somebody you know or a family member who's struggling with these issues or dealing with them or not struggling, just embracing them, you know, those conversations, you can still be truthful and present, but loving. Jesus was like this. He had no problem calling out people's sin and being truthful about this with the woman at the well, for example, or other people. But he was also present. He was also loving. And uh, we can do that. We can do that with each other. And it's important. It's important because I think this is a, a huge battle. It is a, and it's a battle for your kids, your little kids, just the language that's being used. It's shocking. And it makes no sense. In that uh, movie that's out there that Matt Walsh did, uh, What is a Woman? He asked this question, you know, of all of these scientists and, you know, gender studies professors, um, pediatricians, and none of them can answer the question, which is actually pretty simple. What's a woman? You know, an adult female human being. Not really that complicated. You know, it's very clear, but we have destroyed this term when we say it's whatever you want to be. Well, that's why we're having trouble. And kids are, are taught this very young, and the way it gets into the teaching so often is the terms that change. You were given, you were assigned a gender at birth. Uh, that raises the, the question uh, right away uh, for kids. And kids are pretty smart. They know what words mean. They understand the difference of um, you're a boy or you're a girl or you're a signed boy or you're a signed girl. They know there's a difference with that. And the push for these puberty drugs, lots of questions about whether or not they're even safe. There are zero studies, long-term studies, that indicate that they're safe or that what might happen over seven, ten years. None. And for some reason, we think this is okay. This is an attack on kids. And I don't think this is a left and right issue. In fact, I think that we all, uh, not all, but I think most of us actually agree for the most part. Um, And some of us would have a spiritual reason for this idea of men and women, for sure. But human beings have had this figured out for a long time. This is Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557. The poll that came out, Gallup recently came out uh, yesterday, I think came out with this poll. Um, The number of Americans today who identify as LGBTQ and uh, plus are at, is at an all-time high of 7.1%. But the breakdown of generation is this. Boomers, 2.6%. Uh, it didn't have anybody older than that, apparently. Uh, Gen X, that would be my generation, 4.2%. Millennials, 10.5%. Generation Z, 20.8%, almost 21%. And the concern today is that this is something that people are... Uh, choosing and experimenting with because of social pressure. And the things that are out there in social media that your kids might be looking at, uh, I'm working on this right now, and I'll share it with you as soon as I have it figured out, if I can get it figured out. And I'll take your advice. You can you can email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Figuring this out for my kids, how do I allow them to have the tools that they need for their computer, for schoolwork, even for talking to friends and things like that? without getting into some of the worst things because the dark side of social media is where kids get into trouble, where suddenly getting these surgeries for um, 
gender change in your teens becomes a popular thing to do where you get social pressure to do it. It's not that you really feel like it, but you're, you're looking for belonging. That's a, that's a, you know, for a lot of us with whatever our struggles are, a big part of the core is so often that we're looking for belonging. Uh, This is why sometimes our kids will join gangs. This is sometimes why our kids will make friends with the bully, you know, and join some group at, School. This is why we often end up getting on drugs. This is why we end up with people who abuse us in other parts of our relational world, in our relational life. It's because human beings have a deep need for belonging, and we are so divided and so lonely today. And the breakups of our families are forcing people into, they're going to find it somewhere. You know, if you're, if you're lonely and you're struggling, you're going to find companionship and family and belonging, you will find belonging somewhere. That's going to happen. We have everlasting belonging to Jesus Christ. That's why it's a marriage. It's a marriage that will never be a divorce once you have received Christ. We have everlasting belonging, everlasting life into the family of God, the family of the creator of the universe. Do you ever think about how incredible that is? That it's you're a part of the family of the creator of the universe who asks you not to call him king, although he is king, not to call him creator, although he is creator. He asks you to acknowledge those things. But he wants you in conversation to call him father. That's the relationship that we get when we receive Jesus as our Savior, when we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that the the spiritual angst that we carry around, the guilt that we have, the sense that there's some need for belonging that every human culture has ever had, when we recognize that that is resolved by Jesus Christ, that he's the way, the truth, and the life, that he is the answer to every philosophical question, what am I here for? Is there a God? He is the answer to, if there is a God, if there is a purpose, what is that purpose? The answer is Jesus. I don't know if you think about that, but Jesus is the highest of all philosophical thought. He answers the philosophical questions, and he asks, answers the religious questions. How do I get to be a believer? How do I, is there a God? What does God want from me? How do I please God? Who is it? And what has God done for me? And how do I get everlasting life? How do I get perfection? How do I deal with this guilt or angst? Jesus, he's the answer. And my friends, listen, as the church, we have this answer. All this terrible stuff and these these things that we're dealing with that are maddening and confusing. The reason they're taking over the culture is because the culture is rejecting Jesus. And so we we need to find belonging and meaning somewhere. And if there's no God, well, if you're not going to believe in God, you've got to believe in something. So you'll believe in it. Some famous person said that. I don't remember who off the top of my head, but I liked it. We have the truth through Jesus Christ, not because we're smarter, but because we, uh, through God's grace, know who he is. And our job is to make disciples. This is the answer to all of this, and you have it, my friend. You really do, all of you who are listening. I hope you know Jesus. We're going to take a break. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We'll be back with Hour 2 in just a moment. Stay tuned. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.